1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Pastor Alex. I am a Lutheran pastor in a small little town in Iowa, and my job, if you are a first-time listener to this show, is to just walk you through Scripture and help explain, in layman's terms, help you to understand in the most common framework what the text is saying, At various times, we might do deeper exegetical studies and we'll pull out different themes and we'll talk about some of those high-end academical terms, but for the most part, we take the simple approach and walk through the text verse by verse talking about what's happening so that way you are able to understand it. And we do it in a fashion that you don't have to sit here and take notes. Hopefully, it's easy enough for you to just remember or that you can just come back and listen to it again without feeling overwhelmed. That is the goal. Uh, I, I appreciate the shows out there that really do take a more academical approach and tackle some of those high, you know, scholarly terms and try and, you know, explain through philosophical manner or, you know, human logic or anything like that. Like I appreciate those shows, but that's just not what we do. My goal as especially as a pastor is to take the text and explain it. So that way you as a listener can just understand it. And we have been now uh, quite a few weeks into the Gospel of Matthew. That has been our show every Friday for the last probably month and a half or so at this point. We are still working through Chapter 5, which is the Beatitudes. And we are looking at uh, verses 27 and onward today. We'll see how far we can get. And we're just taking this section by section, trying to uh, put about 20 to 25 minutes uh, into each section and then um, we will pause and then pick up. Now, the reason we're doing that, we're not doing the whole chapter at one time is this is, you know, these three chapters are part of the the Sermon on the Mount discourse and so it's a long sermon that Jesus is giving and I think it pays really well for us to pause at a lot of these big topics before we move on. it would it would really be, Uh, we we would do it injustice if we were to just take it one chapter every episode and then, oh here's chapter five and just breeze through the Beatitudes and breeze through all of these commands on the law that Jesus is giving. So like I said, my goal is to uh, unpack it section by section, talking about some of these topics because, you know, we spent a whole week looking at uh, the Beatitudes and then we moved back from or moved on from there. And we talked about salt and light, and then we had an episode on the fulfillment of the law, which I know Nick from Crisis a Cure is uh, doing a ton of work on just that concept. So if you're interested more in my in a, like the Calvinistic or Reformed perspective on that topic, by all means, go check out Crisis a Cure, and you'll be able to get a lot of really good in-depth knowledge there. Uh we moved on to anger last week and this week we are going to pick up everybody's favorite topic and that is lust. And then we will see where we land with time and perhaps look at divorce for a moment. Uh, This will actually come back to us later in the gospel of Matthew as Jesus is confronted once again by the Pharisees inquiring about Moses allowing divorce. And so, uh, we see just a few verses, only two of them here in this little section. And uh, then we move on to oath, oath, oaths, oaths, <laughs> and retaliation, and loving your enemies. And so we will see where we land on time, and uh, we'll go from there. So just a c- couple quick pieces. Uh, I've really tried to keep these so-called commercials and advertisements and all that stuff to a minimum. But I do want to say this, if you are a patron or considering to becoming a patron, You can get ad-free podcasts weeks in advance on Patreon. So I record these shows anywhere from one to two or more weeks out from airtime. And you can have that in your back pocket. You can listen to it. And you don't have to deal with all of the commercials that Acast delivers to you through your podcast app. So that's a huge perk. And on top of that, you'll get access to all of our Bible studies You'll get the uh, access to the YouTube channel that is previous uh, Bible studies and and other commentaries and stuff. We do meetings and and all the sorts. We've got a Discord channel. You get uh, access to the sermon notes. You'll get access to any scholarly work that I'm working on, plus a lot of big surprises that I'm brewing for next year. So lots and lots of stuff just for a dollar a month or $10.40 or whatever. Uh, for the whole year gets you 12 months access so come join us and you can get uh, everything for that low of a payment uh, if you choose to give more then god bless you and i'm so thankful for it but all i ask is a dollar and i just ask that you come and join this wonderful community uh, of like-minded believers and we've got people from all walks of life you don't have to be a lutheran to join us we've got plenty that are not and uh, it makes for great conversations in all of the chats that we have. So come join us and you'll won't you won't be disappointed, I hope. <laughs> and uh, beyond that, you know, everything else is in the show notes, logos and all the fitness stuff. I'm an open book, so if you want to come and talk to me, um, I uh, will be more than happy to. I might consider doing an episode kind of just on like personal health. Um, and you know that it takes a lot to, Uh, keep us healthy physically and mentally so that way we can be prepared healthy spiritually and so uh, if we're not physically and mentally healthy then how can we expect ourselves to be spiritually healthy so all three of those things are vital to our walk with christ and 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 i get it there's a lot of people out there who struggle with weight because i used i i am one and i used to be one and you can, you can have those struggles and still be a faithful Christian. So don't take me wrong on that, but I think they're all vital to the overall, you know, kind of happiness, if you would, that, that, uh, you know, what you want to quite call it, but drawing a blank on it. So that's why I haven't quite done the episode yet. I want to figure out how to really word everything correctly because at the end of the day, um, you know, we, we all struggle with something and I've had my struggles with weight and, and, and all of that sort. And I want to help others hopefully become spiritually, mentally and physically healthy. And, and, and we do spiritually through this show where we break the scripture down for you and uh, help you to understand it in a manner that is not overly complicated where you have to write down notes and circle those and cross this out and underline that and tie this to that. And, you know, write 65 different verse references to this. No, we, we are straight, Cut and dry, to the point. So hopefully, your spiritual health is uh, increased just a little bit when you hear this, because we do kind of conduct it in the form and in, in the framework of a sermon. You know, we explain the text a little bit, we talk about what it's going on, give some context behind it, and then we use uh, you know whether, especially here in the Gospels, whether we're seeing law or gospel coming out, and we we see them both in almost every text, and so we have to uh, explain through that, and that's how uh, Lutherans read the scriptures is in the framework of law gospel. But we also explain the text in its contextual manner. We have to understand what's going on and why things are happening. So let's get into it. Uh, We are at verse 27 of Matthew chapter 5. We are looking at lust. Here's what Jesus says. You've heard it that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent is has already committed adultery with her in her heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is best that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body to go into hell. So, uh 4 verses here 27 through 30 and Uh, some, some hard to deal with text. All right. So we, we open it with this construct of adultery. We know the 10 commandments. You shall not commit adultery. That was pretty common, but Jesus takes it a step further. And he says, if you've ever looked at a woman with any sort of lustful intent, you have committed adultery in your heart. And this goes back to the construct of anger last week, where we talked about if you've told you, if you've said to your brother, you fool, you've, you've committed murder in your heart. And so Jesus is not, uh, necessarily targeting the outward dealings of humans, whether it was murder or in this case adultery, but he's looking at the internal mind, the heart, what is the actual cause of the problem? And this is where Jesus is drawing about, about the sinful construct that these Pharisees were trying to get away from or, or, or essentially would pad themselves up to make it seem like they weren't doing certain actions when they were, in fact. And so Jesus is making a statement saying, if you've looked at another woman, you've done it. You have committed adul- adultery. And, and, I, and i frame that up a little bit more. If you've ever looked at another woman with lustful intent. So there has to be that difference, right? Because in this world, you're gonna, you're going to encounter women And if you're a man, you're going to encounter women, all sorts. And women, if you, you were going to encounter men, that's not uncommon. You will face that, but it's the, the, the point at which you have these desires, these thoughts coming into your mind of, you know, of the lust that you're seeping, like you must have that person. You will do anything to that person. You know, you will forget your wedding vows. That person is now, you know, the, the the, the gem of your mind's eye. And anytime that happens, you are committing adultery in your heart. And, and it's always, again, that, that, that deeper level that Jesus has taken us to. It's not just the outward demonstration because you can be a faithful husband. And I, and I, and I use today's world as an example. You can be a faithful husband, never touching another woman. You can be you know, committed to never having meetings with women privately or going to lunch with them when you're in a marriage. You, you know, you are very, very strict and disciplined. And then yet you still have a problem with perhaps a porn addiction. You're committing adultery because you're looking at women to fill a need in your life. And I speak directly to men on this one. If you have that addiction, seek help, get a hold of somebody in the church. Get a hold of some brothers, confess your sins, and get accountability. Figure out how you can get over that because I'll tell you, porn will ruin your mind. Porn will just, it it destroys you. What it does is it it releases, you know, certain chemicals into your mind, gives you kind of a, you tore uh, feeling, you know, this really good sensation. Even though you know in the back of your mind that what you're doing is wrong, you feel good about it. And when those uh, those chemicals kind of dilute themselves and go back to normal, you have that craving. It's just like being addicted to drugs. the The craving is there because you want that euphoric feeling over and over again in your life. And I think it's even harder today with all of the technology that we have. And we have now incognito browsers that you can search for stuff without... Anything ever being tracked, and as soon as you close the browser, all of your history is gone, and it makes it easier for younger men uh, and women now to get addicted to pornography, and we've got such an epidemic um, in in our in our you know happening to us across the board, and uh, I will try and keep this as PG. And G-rated as possible, um, but it, some things do have to be said because this shows uh, the incredible destruction that porn brings upon to men and women. So um, the the construct of how porn works in in the human construct is you you find. Kind of a, a, you find that sensation, the one that 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 drives you batty, if you would, right? And you watch those videos, and you do, you pursue that that fulfillment, and then when that no longer becomes um, satisfying to you, you have to increase, you know, the the level, if you would, of of what you're watching. You have to go to something maybe a little bit darker, something a little bit more. Uh, vulgar if you would and eventually you're going to get into realms that are just absolutely disgusting and you will find yourself finally reaching that euphoric feeling and i say that for those who you know are adults you know what i'm talking about i hope for you younger folk i I pray that you don't know what i'm talking about but as an adult you know that feeling that euphoric satisfaction but this is the problem that men, are especially men, are experiencing. They have become so addicted and they've had access to it for so long on their phones in private that they would, uh, I would warn you parents to probably mute me for the next few seconds or if you're listening to, uh, you know, with kids around. But I want you to understand that I am just simply... Um, conveying things that I have read on the destruction that porn has upon the human mind. These young men, 18 and under have had access to pornography for, for, for over a decade at the palm of their hand. And they've had this addiction in their lives and they would use that addiction four to five times a day. They would masturbate four to five times a day. And they have done this for so many years that now as a young adult they cannot become sexually aroused and so when they get married they have that deficiency you know that erectile dysfunction these are problems that are now plaguing young healthy men this was something that was like geared towards men at the end of their you know sexual lives in their 50s and 60s now it's plag- plaguing the the 18 to 25 year old men and that also leads us into the next realm that testosterone is being decreased so heavily, which is another factor into that. So it's kind of a, it's an attack on two fields. And I, and I truly believe this is a push from Satan to to just dump into the minds of humans to to make us be zombies to the world. Right, We are chained to our cell phones. We drag those things everywhere with us. It's, we bury our faces in them. We've forgotten how to read books. We have forgotten how to interact with people. We are so addicted to these phones that we don't even pay attention to those who are struggling anymore. And so not only do these men have addictions to pornography, but they also are consuming high rates of soy-based foods, and they are not eating foods that otherwise would preserve their testosterone. And after 25 in the male body, you start to decrease. Uh, I believe it's 1% of testosterone every year going forward. And so by the time you're like, you know, 30, you've lost 5%. By the time you're 35, you lost, you know, 10%. And then it, it just it incredibly increases after that. So after like your early 30s, you're just you're just spitting it out left and right. You have just nothing left. And that's why men are tired. They're lethargic. They are overweight. They have no desire to do anything. They just want to work, come home, drink beer and watch TV or play video games. And they neglect their family duties. They don't want to play with their kids because they're too tired and they don't have the athletic ability to do so anymore. This is a plague. This is a cancer in human society because I see it happening so often and and we have gotten to the point now especially like on social media where all of these fashion industries are now celebrating obesity and you have to be accepting of somebody based upon you know their 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 views their body structure and i can't tell you how scary it is to sit there and affirm somebody who is morbidly obese and say that that is okay when this was not an issue 25 or 30 years ago But now the food market has saturated the shelves with foods that are bioengineered, foods that have five or six or eight more ingredients that are chemically modified. They're preserved. They can last a nuclear fallout. You've got drinks that are just loaded with sugar. I mean, a can of soda has like 50, I think, grams of sugar and then a bottle, something like 60 or 70 grams, depending on what you buy. I mean, it's incredible how much sugar is in all that crap. It is just, it is absolute trash. And you're, you're drinking, you know, that into your body and you're eating that into your body. And I'll be the first to admit, I love soda. I have had, a, you know, when I was younger, I was, I was pretty obese. I was actually border. I was pretty close to being borderline diabetic. If, if I wasn't already borderline diabetic, I was over 300 pounds. I was huge for my structure And I would drink a 12-pack of soda, if not in a day, within two days or three days. I would have four to five or six sodas every night. And I would play video games. I would eat a whole frozen pizza and a container of ice cream. And then I would go out the next morning with breakfast. And then I'd have a disgustingly large lunch. And then we'd go out to dinner. I mean, that was my lifestyle. I just consumed food. And I love food. I love pizza. I love all that stuff. I'm right there with you. I mean, in fact, my wife and I went out last night. We had a pizza uh, from Coralville, which is about two and a half hours south east of where we live. And uh, and it's a, it was a phenomenal pizza. We were really impressed because, you know, it's a Chicago style pizza, which uh, we have been greatly disappointed with every other restaurant that does Chicago pizza outside of Chicago. And this place actually held its ground. It was really good. And. But, you know, with me being up at the gym, and I, in fact, I have a fitness page on Instagram if you want to come follow. It's Alex.zink. You can come follow me there. I've been in the gym 60 days in a row going into yesterday. Now, today it was 61. I have been there 61 days in a row. And I have gotten on the treadmill. I have a 40 pound vest that I put over my shoulders. I put the incline to 12%, and I walk at a 3.0 speed, and sometimes it faster. Dealing with a nagging foot issue right now that, that hinders me from freely walking, but I'm still pushing through and I'm still doing the cardio and then I go and lift weights. And so eating that pizza really didn't have any negative effects on me because I've been able to keep my diet so strict that having just a little bit of something delicious outside of that was great. And I don't know why we're going on to this topic, but what I guess I get back to, I circle back around, is that our physical health is just as important as our spiritual health, and the fact that we are being poisoned by the food industry, by these companies that say, you know, hey, we've got these healthy drinks, or drink these, you know, uh, drink this because it got it has uh, electrolytes or something in it, right? And then you look, and it's like it's got like forty-five grams of sugar in it, and you're like, mm, okay. <laughs> tastes great, right? It's delicious, but boy, it's not good for you. And so I've become quite conscious, at reading labels and seeing, okay, what does this actually got in it? What is this actually going to do to my body? And I've tried to reduce my sugar intake tremendously. But you know what? I like a little bit here and there and, but I'm not actively out to, to eat and consume sugar like I was 15 years ago. So the problem is Going back to the topic of lust, and, and the reason I really kind of went into the food venture there was because the this has a major implication in the fact that men now have low testosterone. And here's another issue that is alarming. That incre- that plus the addiction to pornography has led men to be less f- fertile and, uh, and it have led them to be less willing to have children. And uh, Chuck Schumer, no matter what you think of him, uh, I'm not a fan personally, but he came out and he made a statement on the news a couple week or two ago stating that because our population is not increasing at a certain rate, we should give amnesty to all these illegals and make them U.S. citizens to increase our population. Because we, we do have to have a population that increases slowly over time to meet the needs of the economic structures and and all of that that goes into place. And we have to have people being born to replace the people who die. That's just the reality of how culture survives. And right now in the United States, we have so much, uh, so many problems with men with low T that they're not reproducing. They're not getting married. They're not having families. They're not committing themselves to raising children. And so we have to turn to all of these people who are illegally coming into our country to fill the void that we can't do. And this text right here really gets a gets it right at it at its core because it is demonstrating to us that we have we have all committed adultery. Anytime you look at another person, he, Jesus as a woman, because he's directing this towards men and, and that they were the ones, uh, as we'll see in divorce, they are the ones that are the household leaders in this century that Jesus is here, the first century. And they are the ones that have been given the authority to govern their house. And that has been demonstrated to us all throughout scripture. And it's not in a bad or sexist way. So if you're a feminist, I don't care. It is not a sexist manner. It's each person, the male and the female have been given specific roles and responsibilities in the house. It was the man's job to provide, food shelter and protection for the woman that was the man's job protect and and provide for the woman it was to prepare food and to keep the house organized to raise the kids and that was the woman's job in a nutshell and so each of them have incredibly important responsibilities and roles now and today it's a little bit more muddied You know, my wife and I are uh, basically, we both stay at home uh, to work. I work from home. My wife, uh, you know, is a part-time at her salon that she works at. And so she's there two or three nights a week. But other than that, she's at home with the kids and she takes a big invested amount of time with the children. And I do as often as I can. uh, But I also have work responsibilities. And so I have been able to blend my job and into as, uh, being a good father, being a, you know, one that's always present in my kids' lives. And so in some culture, you know, in some constructs, in some situations, it is a little different. It, you know, in fact, it's a lot different because now most houses require two uh, incomes in order to survive because their, their eyes are bigger than their incomes And they have realized that they have bitten off too much to chew. And so they have to have two incomes to try and even stay afloat. They've got the big house, the fancy cars, the nice clothing, you know, they they eat at expensive restaurants or they buy the best foods, all that sorts. And they find themselves, you know, drowning in debt. And so they have to have two incomes. And for the houses that are blessed to have a single income, you know, the wife stays at home, raises the kids. The man is at work and providing. That is what the original biblical construct is. Having a two-income house isn't a bad thing. But if you are taking your attention away from raising your children so you can stay out of debt or get out of debt or continue the lavish lifestyle, your priorities are a little wrong. Your children are the most important thing in your life. I, and I thought to this the other day, I'm like, my kids are, are number one to me. I would do anything. If that meant, you know, going in debt and drowning, you know, and drowning in debt to save one of my kids or to, you know, take care of one of my kids, I would do it in a heartbeat. I wouldn't even think about it. I would do, I would move mountains to take care of my children because I love them that much. And, and, and we find ourselves in this society now where the, the, The original family construct, the um, the organic family, husband, wife, children, has been under attack by the liberal people for so many decades that we have just we've been not necessarily defeated, but we've been beaten down pretty good. They have attacked us at so many angles. And in fact, in some states now, the teachers are coming out saying we know what's best for your children. We are the ones that should be making these life-changing decisions, whether it's to pump your kid full of drugs without your permission, to give them a sex change without your permission to do whatever. We don't need your decision as a parent or your approval as a parent. We know better. And that's what we've allowed society to do to the, to the nuclear family. We have allowed them to dismantle and degrade it. And, th- and then you wonder why. You know, we have single family or single parent families. We have men who have, uh, you know, knocked up four or five or six or whatever different uh, women had children with all of them. And then they get then they leave the picture. In some cases, they they're incarcerated because they're criminals or they're just flat out not willing to be a part of any of the children's lives. And they're ruining lives because they have opted to you know, be, uh, someone who sleeps around and, and gives into the temptations of the flesh and they have no right moral standing to help raise their kids. And so, and, and I also say too, you know, I can harp on the men all the, all day long, but it, it takes two to tangle and women are, or can and women can be is is equally guilty in this, you know, I'm not going to get into the cases of rape or anything like that in this, but we, we know that there are many women, especially in certain communities, that are uh, promiscuous and they end up you know, having one mishap. They get pregnant and then what do they do? They go down to the abortion clinic, have the baby killed, and they go on with their life and they continue in that behavior because they're satisfied with their flesh. And this is a text that really cuts to the heart because it tells you, that you are committing treason against God. You have broken this commandment when you have given in to your temptations and to your lust. That is what Jesus is saying. So a lot to take on in just the, just those first two verses. Um, let's see what Jesus says here in 29 through 30. Where he says, cutting out your right eye or cutting off your, your hand, your right hand. Uh, this is basically a hyperbole. Though such a punishment was known, if we uh, look at a uh, a Josephus writing from, uh, uh, let's see here, from the life of Flavorus, Josephus and the works of Josephus, this was uh, where this was taken from. Jesus used strong and exaggerated language to emphasize the seriousness of sexual sins. Such sins and other abuses wreak havoc with personal relationships. If an eye or hand leads one to commit sin, it would be better to get rid of the body parts than to go to hell. So yes, it is a, it is a tough text because the punishment is substantial. Sexual sin un, unrepented is no, is in fact, is probably in the eyes of Christ more heinous than anything else because he really harps on this. This is a tough couple of verses. And I think he takes sharper language here than he did, you know, in the previous section where he talks about, uh, co- you know, committing a murder and calling your brother a fool. Then, you know, it basically, cause all he says, well, if you go to the, you know, to give an uh, an offering at the altar, uh, go back and be reconciled with your brother first. He doesn't say chop your leg off because it would be best that you don't have a leg than to have a tuffle with your brother or something, you know, I mean, the, the, the difference of approach is is significant and it's one to pay attention to because he's telling you here, if this causes you to sin, get rid of it. If your phone causes you to sin, don't take it into places that'll allow you to do so. If you, uh, you know, are a long time bathroom user, you know, you're in there for 20 or 30 minutes, take a book, don't take your phone, leave your phone on the counter, take your book, If you find yourself by yourself at night and you're bored, put your phone down, turn on a movie, pick up a book, turn on some soft music, whatever it is, go to bed, even, (laughs) you know, push away the temptation, find a way to get rid of it. So Jesus has given you some drastic measures. I would advise you not to cut out your eye or to chop off your hand, but you have to understand that the punishment for unrepented sin is hell. And we should also make this note as being Lutherans, the only sin that can't be forgiven is unbelief. The only sin that will get one that will send a person directly to hell without any sort of negotiations or anything like that is unbelief. The unbelievers will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so if you even even if you do have unrepented sin, you, you, you will find yourself in many cases not knowing whether you've repented from every sin in your life or not, because you just can't, you can't possibly know that. That is why when we do our brief order confession at the beginning of our service, we always say of things known and things unknown, because there are sins in our lives that we aren't aware of because they may just come in a blink of an eye and disappear just as quick. Uh, or we may react in a manner that we don't think is necessarily sinful because we didn't hurt anybody, but we got angry or we did something where reacted. And that's not necessarily, in our eyes, sinful, but we could be sinning against a God. And so anytime we get to a text like this, it is best to read it in its full construct. We, We know that 29 and 30 are harsh language, but we understand that this is the drastic level that Jesus is saying to take if you can't possibly stop doing this because you must get out of these traps. And I'll tell you, it's even harder for men today because we have television that has you know adult channels on just about every platform that you could want. You've got movies and the internet. You can have magazines shipped to your house. I mean, it's in everything. Sex is everywhere in the culture. It's in your music. It's in the movies. It's in the TV shows. It's explicitly given in every facet. And it has been ever increased in the last probably 20 years. And uh, and that's why men and young men are having massive issues with their sexual health because they have caved in to the world and its production of lustful product. So I could harp on this forever. It is a terrible topic to... Um, to spend a lot of time on because it's, I say terrible because it's, it is one that, that affects probably most of the people listening to the show. It affects so many people out there. This topic is one that most churches will never even begin to discuss because they don't want to offend people. But the reality is there are people sitting in the pews, your neighbors who are dealing with these addictions. And it is and it is right and true that we as Christians should be going forward and, and and expressing our sins, confessing them to one another, confessing them before the Lord, and receiving the forgiveness from Him. That is also why it is important for us to partake in the sacraments because then we are reminded that our sins are forgiven. But it is not an open ticket to go out and watch porn all day long and to fall into sin. Don't do it. Get rid of the devices, put them away. All right, that's going to wrap up today's show. Uh, I hope you got something out of it i hope you were able to stomach through some of it and and realize that this is such uh, a, a dark topic in today's society and it's one that in fact is even be tr- has tried to become uh, a, a, a more normalized uh, approach that people are trying to take to uh, this you know topic and they're trying to say oh it's not bad everybody does it so what why do we have to conceal it And then you've got everything, you know, you know, all those radars screaming at you that this is not how it should be. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up today's show. We will be back next week looking at divorce and oaths and retaliation and all that sorts. We have no timeline. We will just take it as it comes and we will see each section through and through. And so I hope you have a great uh, weekend. We are approaching Christmas very soon. I've considered doing just a short, you know, 10 or so minute episode on Christmas Day. I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet, but uh, we've got uh, some some ideas that I'm brewing that will drop Christmas morning. So I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Get to church. Get your sins confessed. Receive abs- the uh, absolution that your sins are forgiven. Partake in the sacraments. And I hope to see you guys. Next week on that night. God bless. Have a great day.